Yeah, you gotta do the fedora. I was gonna say, you gotta tip that trilby. <laughs> trilby, oh. Welcome to Tencent Takes, the show where we crush critical failures one issue at a time. My name is Mike Thompson, and I am joined by my co-host, the barbarian from beyond, Jessica Frazier. Yes, I am a barbarian. <laughs> you totally are. Watch like... out, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> and as you can hear, we are also joined today by returning guest, the dice slinger of destruction, Kelly Galton from Goblin Bros in Petaluma. I am changing my job title right now. Runemaker is out. Dice Slinger of Destruction is in. I love it. I love that. It's not going to fit on my name tag. <laughs> <laughs> you can just shrink the font. It'll be fine. Yes, it's true. Make it like six point font. Yeah. What's it say, dear? <laughs> oh, man. Kelly, would you take a minute to tell our listeners about your store? Yes. So if you haven't already visited... Goblin Brothers Games and Gear is a board game, card game, and RPG store in Petaluma, California. We are in historic downtown Petaluma. We specialize in all things fun for humans, specifically board games and RPGs. My personal specialty is in Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. If you are new to this show, our main episodes drop every other week and provide in-depth looks into interesting moments in comic books and how they tie into pop culture and history. But today is one of our Dollar Bin Discoveries mini episodes that we do in between those deep dives because we spend a lot of time rooting through dollar bins at shops. But while we find interesting stuff that are fun and weird, they may not be enough for us to do a deep dive on. At the moment, we always reserve the right to change our mind and come back later on and focus a whole episode on them. Each episode will feature everyone on the show talking about one random issue that we came across in the dollar bins, what it is, what goes on inside it, and why it's interesting. Basically, these are mini episodes that are meant to provide you with some weekly content in between our more in-depth discussions about the weirder and more interesting moments in comics history. So the reason that we have Kelly on today is because the theme for today's Dollar Bin Discovery is comics that could be RPGs in honor of Free RPG Day, which is going to be coming up right after this episode drops. So Kelly, please tell us about Free RPG Day for our listeners yeah. who aren't familiar. So Free RPG Day is an organization that's been going on for several years now, and they essentially sponsor an event nationwide, I believe. It could be international. I'm not sure. But you sign up in uh, January, I believe. And by you, I mean a retail store. You have to have a brick and mortar location. And they send you a box with a bunch of material from RPG publishers and distributors. So this year, for instance, I believe there is something from Leader Games, their RPG Root, which is also a mm. fantastic board game. And there are several miniatures in it. Mm. There are quick start guides and full core rule books. And every year, Free RPG Day contacts these publishers and distributors and puts together a compendium of specifically Free RPG Day collection of quick start guides in mm. a bound volume. That's really cool. It's awesome. Yeah. Goblin Brothers, well, so we're participating. Um, yeah. And so on the 24th of June, which is a Saturday, that's Free RPG Day. And you can come on into Goblin Brothers and roll our ginormous D20. And I believe the categories are 1 to 9, 10 to 19, and then natural 20. We'll have them divided into different categories. And depending on which category you roll, you will get a prize. 
So it's free, obviously, <laughs> but uh, it is divided into because there's a whole range of different things. And some of them are just like little themed sheets of paper or folders or something. And some of them are like full core rule books. So, you know, we want to divide it up. So, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I can tell you that my whole family will be there. <laughs> my best friend was our first natural 20 last year. Nice. Ooh. Yeah, it was awesome. My face did light up when you said I got to, we get to roll oh, yeah. a oh, large yeah. well, D20. I mean, you can come in anytime and roll the ginormous D20s. With, on the sign and in our system, they are ginormous D20s. Like, <laughs> that I have to type in when somebody brings somebody up. Yeah. Because people can't actually see the video feed as they're listening to this, I just want to note, it has been a special treat for me because I've been watching Jessica's face light up as all these prizes are being described. <laughs> and then I have been also watching... Kelly frantically try to wrangle her cat as he keeps on walking across her desk. Oh my yeah. god. So you guys can't see this, but directly out of the frame, there is an empty spot on my desk that I keep specifically for this cat, and he will not stay there. I am literally What? A about cat? yeah. But I am literally not going where supposed to. ordering a bespoke pet pod for him so that he has a basket oh to sleep in. Kelly. So he'll stay there. What I hear, what I hear is that if you give cats their own computer, they'll leave yours alone. Honestly, if you just give them a, a tiny laptop yeah. and they will sit there like they have their own little computer. I think I have a dead laptop somewhere around I could just put there and like yeah. put a paper of the Mac background over. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. Uh so yeah, so today's theme is obviously a comic that we came across that we felt could work really well for an RPG. Kelly, you were the guest of honor, so please kick us off. Well, so I have a very, very small but hopefully growing comic collection. But this was actually one of the first comics I went out and tried to collect. And it is called Ghost Money. It looks like this for you. Oh, too. wow. Okay. Um, it's very futuristic. And I had forgotten this. And when researching this comic for this episode, I did not realize it is a near future comic about the year 2020. Oh, man. Ooh. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> so full disclaimer, it's fiction. <laughs> but essentially, it is a very futuristic view of 2020. And it is a futuristic alternate universe history of the repercussions of 9-11 and the Iraq War. Oh, wow. Okay. Oh. Stick with me here. Stick with yeah. me. Stick okay. With no, no, no. I'm here. We're I'm good. Here. <laughs> We're good. <Okay. laughs> We're fine. We're fine. When was this published? Uh, 2017. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. So, so I got this in the dollar bin at Brian's Comics, RIP. And so I got issues one, three, five, six, and seven of 10. Okay. <laughs> so I was like, I read the first comic and it features an LGBTQ relationship front and center nice. in a really okay. healthy way. It also features this wild concept of like democratic countries suddenly being run by like authoritarian dictatorships and um you know mm. weird right strange mm. odd anyway right. and so i really liked it for an rpg from an rpg standpoint I, I had ron from the griffin's nest in sebastopol hunt down the others for me and he did a fantastic job and i got to read the whole series and i love it for a futuristic or a sci-fi rpg because it starts off with a bang and it is only 10 issues long. It packs a lot of story <laughs> into those 10 issues, but it doesn't. I find that the world building is left very open-ended. So you could make your whole world set in this extremely futuristic setting that is still like the U.S. and mm -hmm. it's the real world, quote unquote. 
but like one of the very first things that happens to this girl is uh she very randomly makes a friend of an extremely rich woman who has like a car that turns into a suborbital spaceship that she can just like launch and then come back down <laughs> like that Red Bull commercial where they yeah, just go yeah. up the rotation yes. of the earth happens and they go back down and just goes shopping in Dubai. That's so clever. Essentially, the premise is that this woman that she meets and eventually like she falls in love with her almost immediately. That's not a spoiler. I promise that literally happened. Like, third page. Yes. I'm so sorry about the emails you guys have been sent from this because one of the central premise is that a very famous terrorist group mm. did play the stock market after 9-11. Okay. And she is somehow tied to that money. And so this girl who's nobody but falls in love with the wrong person gets like unintentionally kind of swept up in this. But it's very strange because there's there's within like 20 years, there's been personal space travel developed. Mm-hmm. And the the democratic company or companies <laughs> countries have been uh, Freud and Slip have been kind of twisted into the dictatorships. Mm-hmm. Like in our ta- our timeline, as the Middle East has been turned into the democracies, and so it's kind of like a like turning history and the progression of time on its head. And it's just very interesting. And it's one of those things that like cyberpunk almost you could make like a very futuristic neon core. <laughs> interesting. <laughs> um, I like that thing out of it. Yeah, it's not, I should say, it's translated from French, mm. and I think that leaves a little bit to be desired, but it is fair. And it's a, they're heavy topics, but I was also the kid that was raised with NPR, yeah. and I, like, listened to, and, like, wait, wait, don't tell me, recreationally when I was, like, eight, so I don't know if I just be me that likes these topics, but it's really a super interesting concept, and I think for a sci-fi RPG, it would be stellar. So you'd want to make this, like, a tabletop storytelling oh, yeah. RPG? I think especially okay. the setting, like normalized space travel that is still like just out of reach. Like I can't afford a Tesla, but <laughs> I mean, <laughs> but people who make a little more than me, a lot more than me <laughs> can, hurt, yeah. can have a Tesla. They are commonplace. And it's kind of the same idea. Like the space travel is for the wealthy, but not the unobtainably wealthy. Mm. And it's really, it's really interesting. And like, there are normal cars, but when they draw like the fancy cars, they look like spaceships because they mm-hmm. are, they are suborbital craft, essentially. Yeah. So um, this almost, this almost sounds like the progression of what you would see from those old 1950s, 60s popular yes. mechanics magazines, where it's like the city of tomorrow, the car of tomorrow. It's very yes. It reminds me okay. of Tomorrowland. Like yeah. in the future, this is what how we're going to travel if you want to go to Dubai. But it's also fun because the main character is like a normal person. And she's like, I've just flown from London to Dubai in 90 minutes. Like That's awesome. Yeah, it's yeah. very cool. Yeah. All so. right. Well, Jessica, how about you? What are you talking about today? So today I am bringing Girl Scouts. That's spelled G-R-R-L. Stone Ghost. <laughs> Love it. No issue notes. Issue number one. Yes. <laughs> So this is subtitled The Butterfly, and this was published by Image in November of 2021, created, written, and illustrated by Jim Mafood. This is the story of a bounty hunter named Dio, and we find out right away that she's dealing with some sort of grief, some sort of loss. We also find out that she is taking on a job through her friend Gordy, a three-foot-tall sentient blob, basically, mm-hmm. and he sets her up to work with a guy named get this, Turtleneck Jones, who is <laughs> rail thin, 
with a large mustache, goatee, and just these mutton chops, and wearing a pair of dark glasses the entire time. Oh. His apparel is giving off biker Elvis vibes. I love it. So a tumbleweed goes by. Exactly. So they go to meet up at the designated location, but right before that, we get our first hint that maybe Gordy is up to something, even though Dio assures Turtleneck that they can completely trust him. We then get a backstory on Dio's boyfriend, who had recently passed away due to a brain tumor that came back after a surgery, leaving them no option but to just kind of let it progress as it was going to. And he died at their home, and she basically watched him die. So... There's a lot more to this job than just a normal gig, and she's just basically trying to keep herself busy to ebb the grief. Yeah. So cutscene to Gordy, who has called someone in a creepy red robe, very ghosts of Christmas future. <laughs> now in this season's colors. So Gordy <laughs> basically says that Dio and Turtleneck are able to be tracked, so he's done something. I She drank something, so I think that he put a tracker in her drink, and okay. that he had done his job, and he demanded that his wife and children be freed, as they had evidently been previously mm. taken. And the entity on the phone basically says that, yeah, you did a fine job, but it's been decided that your wife and children would benefit the organization. So they're going to stay with us. <laughs> oh, wow. Love it. Yeah. Twirl that mustache. Right. So it's revealed that they work for an organization, an entity. I'm, I'm not quite sure. Named Teeth. Right. <laughs> oh. Named Teeth. Okay. Yeah. So I think it's an entity, but I'm, I'm not 100%. All right. We see this big toothy thing with like an eye in the middle. So maybe it's an entity. And Gordy is then surrounded by members of this whatever organization. So he begs them to give cheesecake to his kids every now and again because it's their favorite. And the guards basically say, yeah, we'll do what we can. It doesn't feel super genuine. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Meanwhile, Dio and Turtleneck are wandering right into the trap that Gordy set. And they get ambushed trying to follow through with the set plan. So the ambushers ask the two if they have seen, like, have you seen these girls? And, like, put the, like, holograph up. And have you seen this magic pair of socks? And Dio denies everything and Turtleneck <laughs> seems like he's more willing to fold. So they basically try to intimidate Turtleneck. And it's finally revealed that the reason that everybody is looking for Dio is because she is the direct descendant of someone named Choco, also called the Butterfly. Dio's very confused, explains that she was adopted, and she doesn't know her own lineage, so she has no idea what they're talking about. Uh -huh. And Turtleneck sees this whole situation as very futile, ends up blowing his own brains out in a fairly graphic two-page action scene. Oh. And splatter, splatter. Oh. And <laughs> wow. the last page is Dio, surrounded by the other bounty hunters, saying, fuck, I didn't see that coming. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So this whole comic is a really cool setting. Super dystopian future society. The art was neat. It was drawn in this kind of chaotic, sketchy way. And it was colored in this super interesting fashion where very few colors were used per scene. So there would only be like three colors used. Uh, and they weren't like okay. shadowed colors. They were just those were the colors that were used. Oh, okay. So there's like no shading or anything either. Oh, interesting. There's, yeah, it's more kind of sketchy. Okay. Yeah. And one of the pages was meant to look as if it was drawn on, like, yellow lined paper. So that was kind of a neat touch. That's hmm. cool. Yeah. 
And I think the world itself would make a really neat RPG. You would have a lot of different bounty hunting missions, but I also think it would make a really neat one-person RPG or a video game even with a variable amount of players. Okay. It did have a lot of elements where one could have rolled, like if we were comparing it like to a similar D&D format with dice rolls. You could roll inside to check on Gordy's intentions, the fight scenes, rolling for initiative, you know, another fighting for you know, hits would make sense. I also think it would be a ton of fun to be able to create an alien character since really imagination is the limit, especially based on the designs for the other aliens that I was seeing in the comic. So yeah, I think it'd be fun to play. That's awesome. Girl? <laughs> Girl. Girl. <laughs> oh my God. I love everything about this. That's, ins- I, no notes. <laughs> it continues. Amazing. Well, Mike, what about you? Did you also head future or are we headed in a different direction for you? Uh, we're going in a different direction. So <gasps> bring it. I picked up Blood of the Innocent. I got the complete miniseries from Jeff Smith, the comic cutter up in Canada with that big package <laughs> of comics that I put together like a while ago and it's still paying out. It was written by Ricky Shanklin and Mark Wheatley and drawn by Mark Hempel. Hempel and Wheatley previously created this acclaimed science fiction comic called Mars from First Comics, which Jessica discussed in a recent episode of Dollar Bin Discoveries. Yeah. And apparently Blood of the Innocent was their first attempt at a horror comic. It was published in January 1986 by Warp Graphics, the guys who did ElfQuest. And we open with children playing in the streets of London, singing a nursery rhyme about how Jack the Ripper's dead. And then we cut back to a year earlier at an aristocratic dinner party, Prince Albert Victor Duke of Clarence, a.k.a. Eddie, and another noble are discussing how there's some new royalty in town who's trying to convince people to move to his homeland of, quote, Transylvania or wherever. Meanwhile, in a harbor on the English coast, two sailors are discussing how strange their European aristocratic passenger is as he looked way rougher, read older when he first came on board, but now he doesn't. Spoiler, it's Dracula. Oh, there um, we go. Okay. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> so Dracula then bullies the foreman into loading his special cargo, which is the box he traveled in across the ocean with, you know, the the dirt there that he can sleep in. Oh, my God. And he ends up getting it delivered to Whitechapel. There's a really good bit where the foreman tries to get his attack dog named Satan to go after Dracula, and then Dracula yes. immediately dominates it mentally and takes the dog with him. Um, <laughs> nice. Back in London, Eddie is talking to his bedmate about how it's stupid that a noble would insist on spending his time in Whitechapel, and he seems really grumpy about it. After Eddie leaves, we learn that the person in bed with him was a dude. So, happy pride. Oh, happy pride. Happy pride. (laughs) And then in Whitechapel, Dracula starts, you know, stalking the streets. We see him go after a woman, but we don't see him actually feed on her. We learn then that Eddie is suffering from syphilis, a disease with no cure at the time. He and his, I think it's his doctor, but it may just be a confidant, discuss the symptoms, which includes madness. And we see Eddie starting to exhibit symptoms of psychotic rage. And then it's revealed that he is actually Jack the Ripper. He literally runs into Dracula after a murder. The Count almost drinks his blood, but then stops because he can smell the disease on the prince. The Count notes that the only reason Eddie will live is because his blood is tainted and he flies off into the night. And Eddie is like, no, I'm actually God's sword and I'm the slayer of the unclean. And Dracula's response is, well, you would kill yourself if that was true. <laughs> it's, it's, it's pretty good. At an exclusive party, Eddie tells his friends about what just happened, including the murder. And basically, they just cover it up because they think that he's gone crazy and isn't really responsible for the murder because of his diminished mental faculties. 
Plus, they think he's hallucinating about Dracula. Like, they're like, okay. Right, right. <laughs> and so that's one of the things is like wh- when they say there probably won't be an investigation, he says, but I killed a woman. And the response is, you killed a street whore. That barely qualifies. Um... Solid. Which, okay, but here's the thing is you're like, that is not unrealistic for the time. I mean, or, yes. Or now. I mean, yeah. <laughs> but like. But it's one of those things where it doesn't feel like the comic is trying to be misogynist. It's like it's yeah. showing the misogyny of the system. And I was yeah. like, yeah, all right. And then back in Whitechapel, Dracula ends up seducing a woman. They go back to her place. He prepares to feed while they're naked. And then she forcefully grabs him. And then somehow she ends up like entering his memories while they have sex. So she ends up like seeing him dealing with like a peasant revolt. And then the last page shows Dracula has left her behind, you know, like his hookup is left in bed as the morning comes. And then there's a line about how he has left another victim in his wake. But this time it's a victim of love. <laughs> oh, <laughs> my God. It's. <laughs> I, I will, love it. I it's, love it. It's so over the top. This is like shockingly better than I expected because the cover, the cover of this book, it shows Jack the Ripper and Dracula fighting. It literally says. Dracula, Jack the Ripper, Nightmare and Fantasy for Mature Readers. You're like, all right, this is going to be terrible. Oh, my it's... God. It's like an unmatched card game where they yeah. have like Buffy the Vampire Slayer and mm-hmm. like Peter Pan or something. Yeah, it's kind of like smash up a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> right. But yeah, like this was way better than I expected. I loved the inclusion of queerness in the narrative. Yeah. I really like that Dracula isn't actually the true monster of the story. Like it's a high bar. Yeah, right. He's more like just a predator at this point in time, which I kind of dug. Hmm. Yeah. And the art in this is great. Like this is, this is genuinely, this is so good. We might have to do a full length episode about it at some point. Okay. No, like, I'm down. I'm just, I'm I'm just down. throwing this out there. But I would, I would love to see a tabletop game based on this. Like, I think you could do either like a full on like board game or a tabletop RPG where you have monsters of Victorian horror going up against each other in a city like London. You could do characters like Dracula, Jack the Ripper, Frankenstein, and his monster. And yeah. then you could have like day night cycles, maybe have like the mummy because ancient Egypt was like all the rage amongst yeah. the aristocracy of Victorian England. They used to eat them. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> you remember gross. that? Oh, see, that's Mike. That's Mike admitting that he was around in the Victorian era. Is the vampire. vampire. Is there vampire. like a narrative? Is there a narrative here that Mike is an immortal? <laughs> what now is there I mean, when, now when I'm clean shaven. Nobody believes that I'm in my 40s when I'm actually clean-shaven. When I've got the you, beard going. You, Keanu Reeves, and Ed Hathaway. You were all right? there. It's the hairline. That's what it is. <laughs> the Illuminati. <laughs> yeah. They you found know, the Mike. fountain of youth. <laughs> anyway. Uh, <laughs> astounding. But the other note that I have is that you could have, like, day and night cycles for this game where the characters have to perform different actions to maintain, like, the facade of mortality and gain resources. Okay, you know what so... else you could do? Oh. What? You know, so you could have a really immersive experience and you could dress up. Yeah. Wait, do you not do that for D&D anyway? <laughs> <laughs> we play D&D virtually. I wish we oh. did. I'm usually just wearing oh. a shirt and no pants. You know what I'm saying? Like, nobody can see me. You guys are lucky I got home and changed my shirt, but you're lucky I'm not wearing just my pajama pants and whatever shirt I slept in. Fair. Yeah, yeah, Kelly, we might actually have to like collaborate on a, a tabletop game for this now. Like right, a, a listen, Tencent take slash Goblin Bros I, joint. I'm also a freelance editor for RPGs now. So I'm down. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so. 
And, yeah, that's incredible. Well, we might, I we might have to get a Patreon together just to, uh, <laughs> know, just right? to, to release it to Patreon people. Fascinating. <laughs> Monkey's tuned, typewriter everyone. RPGs with 10 cent takes. Amazing. Good. I mean, we are Dollar Bin Goblins, Goblin Bros. Like, you know. Oh, it's a good mashup. Yes. Doblin, Doblin Bin Goblin Bros. Dollar Bin Goblin Bros. I don't know. It's Sunday. It's usually my day off. My brain is like expanding. Uh, yeah. Love it. I love it. Amazing. Well, those right. sound fascinating. I clearly need to expand my comic collection. Yeah. Anytime you want recommendations, come to yeah. us. Anytime I have money to expand a comic collection that wouldn't go to board games. Fair. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. All right. Well, Kelly, thank you as always for coming yes. on the show. It was great to have you back. Uh, yes. if, if this is your first time hearing Kelly on the show, go back to the episode where we talked about the realm where she was our D and D expert explaining the history of D and D. It was a really fun episode. It was awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me back. I I'm, I've been so excited to do this for weeks. Awesome. <laughs> so. We've been excited to have you on, Yeah. but yeah, so that'll be it for us next week. We will have another full length episode. And then after that, it'll be another dollar bin discovery. Who knows what either of those will be. <laughs> It's all a mystery for us. But until then, stay safe and we will see you in the stacks. Thanks for listening to Tencent Takes. Accessibility is important to us, so text transcriptions of each of our published episodes can be found on our website. This episode was hosted by Jessica Frazier, Mike Thompson, and Kelly Galton. Written by Mike Thompson, Jessica Frazier, and Kelly Galton. And edited by Mike Thompson. Our intro theme was written and performed by Jared Emerson Johnson of Bay Area Sound. Our credits in transition music is Pursuit of Life by Evan McDonald and was purchased with a standard license from Premium Beat. Our banner graphics were designed by Sarah Frank, who you can find at lookmomdraws.com. If you'd like to get in touch with us, ask us questions, or tell us about how we got something wrong, please head over to tencenttakes.com or shoot an email to tencenttakes at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter, for now. The official podcast account is Takes. Jessica is Jessica Witha, and Jessica spelled with a K, and Mike is Van Sau, V-A-N-S-A-U. We're also on Blue Sky, Mastodon, Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook. The complete list is in the show notes. If you'd like to contact Goblin Brothers Games and Gear, you can find us online at goblinbros.com. If you have any questions, feel free to contact me at kelly at goblinbros.com. And our Instagram is the same, at Goblin Bros, and Twitter and Facebook are also the same. If you'd like to support us, be sure to download, rate, and review wherever you listen. Stay safe out there. And support your local comic shop. <laughs>